If life has presented more questions than answers, more problems than promises, and purposeful living feels unattainable and finding fulfillment helpless, we don't have all the answers, but let us point you to the one that does. Welcome to Anointed Clay, a ministry committed to kingdom expansion. Anointed Clay, real hope for real people. Come and reclaim your destiny. This is an outreach ministry of Unity Worship Church, 214 Nelson Street, Cartersville, Georgia, 30120. Now, to the Word. Second Samuel uh, chapter 9, praise God, and I'm, I'm going to read a little bit, so just work with me, amen? Now, David, hold on, let me just go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you now for just being God. Amen. Where did Brandon go? Hmm? Oh, he left already? Okay. Father God, we thank you so much for just being God. We celebrate your goodness. We ask now that you would open us, open us, open each and every one of us, including myself, Father God, that as we stand before you empty and willing, that we may be used for your glory and your glory alone. Let every seed hit good ground, every seed, every seed of your word hit good ground, that it may produce a hundredfold harvest in each and every life that is present today. In the name of the Christ, it is so. And if you agree, say amen. Praise God. Second Samuel chapter 9, beginning there at verse 1. Now David said, is there still anyone left who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Amen. And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they called him to David, the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, at your service. Then the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? Amen. And it's interesting because this particular word for kindness, amen, is kahest. And it literally means covenant, covenant promises. <clears throat> amen. And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. This was also interesting to me because it began to pronounce what was wrong with him before we even know his name. Amen, somebody. Amen. And he is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Emil in Lodabar. So now we know who's keeping him, taking care of him. We know where he is, but we still don't know his name. Is that not interesting? Praise God. Is that not our human tendency? Glory to God. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face. Oh, I missed a, I missed a verse somewhere. Where we go? Oh, there. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Emil, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face, prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, here is your servant. You've got to remember now, this is the first time that David has actually laid, laid eyes on him. Amen? David is not familiar with him other than the promise he made with his father. 
As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, Mephibosheth was born while David was on the run from his grandfather. Hallelujah. We're there. Praise God. And he answered, here is your servant. So David said to him, do not fear. That's interesting. Do not fear. You do realize he had every right to be afraid. Amen, somebody. He had every right to be afraid. We're going to work that out a little bit, a little bit more in depth in a few minutes. But here it is that Saul was, he was born while Saul, his grandfather, was trying to kill, kill David. Amen, somebody. And so literally, Saul represents David's enemy. And normally when a new monarch took, took control, he killed off any rivalries. Are you with me? So he's, he's not just in hiding. I mean, he's not just in Lodabar visiting. He's in Lodabar hiding. So when he's found, there is a reason for his concern. Are y'all here? So him bowing down was literally a cry for mercy. We almost there. Amen. So David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat the bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, excuse me, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for my Phibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth and your, uh, had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who dwelt in the house of Zebra were servants of, servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. I need to highlight a few things before I start my introduction. One thing is that David declared four times in this chapter, 13 verses, that Mephibosheth would be eating at his table. There was no higher honor than to sit at the king's table and eat. As a matter of fact, this came along with some other fringe benefits. Amen, some. You actually got a, uh, an apartment in the palace at this point. Amen, somebody. He got an apartment in the palace. Now, we realize that he doesn't have to be at the king's table to survive because he actually has been restored. Somebody going to get it in just a few minutes. Amen, somebody. And, and this is pretty awesome. Another thing I need to point out very quickly, praise God, is that Amir, the house that he was actually at in Lodabar, wasn't broke people. It's actually believed by most historians and commentary that these people were people of means. Amen, somebody. That's important. That's important. Because the place was impoverished don't mean that the people were. Are we almost there? Amen. I want to talk about for just a few minutes in your listening ears, praise God. Damaged, but destined. Damaged, but destined. Can y'all go with me? 
Can anybody relate to being damaged? It ain't hard for us to grab that part, can we? But can you have the same enthusiasm when it comes to believing that you're destined? Ah, glory be to God. Damaged but destined. Here it is, here it is. The first thing that we know about uh, uh, Mephibosheth, praise God, is that he's lame in his legs. This is a struggle. Amen. This is, this is really interesting, praise God. Because it happens when he was five years old. Five years old, he lost his daddy and the power to walk in the same day. Boy, y'all ain't working with me. Listen, he, 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 his daddy, Jonathan, they get word that Saul and Jonathan has fell in battle against the Philistines. Amen. The, the maidservant, praise God, the nurse takes him up and they're fleeing, they're running, amen. And she drops him and cripples him. Amen, somebody. This is, this is interesting. This is interesting because they got new. He's five years old, y'all. He's five. He's five. Why is it that these other people are raising him? Because he doesn't have neither his father nor his mother. Oh, y'all not listening to me. <laughs> Amen. You're talking about a level of deficit, praise God, that would stifle the average with both good legs. <laughs> Could you imagine just how he's been stifled on the front end of life? Now, here's the other interesting part that will blow your mind is this. That literally the break, if addressed early enough, could have been fixed. But because who he, he is who he is, they can't take him to the hospital locally. So now he has to stay in hiding in this condition that could have been repaired. But now because it hasn't been repaired, it's now permanent. Oh, good God of mine, that's, that's, that's deep. See, a lot of stuff that we process through that has damaged us, if we'd have had a place to process through it early enough, it wouldn't have never caused the damage that it caused. Let me put it where you can reach it. This is why the six-year-old, seven-year-old kid that gets molested don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to process through it. The six, seven-year-old kid that's getting abused physically, they don't know how to mentally process through it. Amen. They have no place to put it. If it had been dealt with early enough, praise God, then there could have been a fighting chance. Are we almost there? This, this is real. This is real. Instead of, instead of, oh, good God Almighty. We know, we know that these conditions can cripple us. These emotional deficits, these psychological deficits can cripple us. But instead of confronting those things early enough, we'd rather suppress them and pretend like they didn't happen when the child is crying out they just not they're not just crying out for attention you have to ask yourself where's the deficit that causes them to cry out for attention are y'all here this is important this is important because they don't know how to process through by themselves they need you to bounce it off of are we there here it is, here it is, here it is. He's, he's, he's five years old. He's, he's lost his father. It's a pretty good chance that his mother was killed as well, praise God. And now his nurse done dropped him. Amen. And then they go down to Lodabar. Lodabar means pastureless. Place that lacks growth. Come on, somebody. Now, this is interesting. This is going to blow your mind. Because here it is. Saul in this equation represents the world system. Saul in this equation represents the world system. 
Amen, somebody. Carnality, the natural condition. Amen. Now, if he starts off as a grandson of Saul, but now he's down in Lodabar, this actually is another level of the deficit in the systems. So not are you not just in the systems, but you are in a part of the system that's even more oppressive. They're hiding in Lodabar. He can't participate in any games. He can't work. Amen, somebody. This is all very interesting. Amen, because not only is he oppressed, but he's also isolated. <laughs> is it starting to sound a little familiar? Come on, somebody. Is it starting to sound a little close to home? Amen, somebody. Because not, not, only, not only am I in a place where it feels like there is no potential for growth, I'm, I'm working out of negative numbers. Amen. But guess what? He's still a prince. Let me, let me, let me work with y'all because here it is. The, the thing that, that'll blow your mind is Melphibosheth. Melphibosheth, I don't know what happened to that H on that, his name there. I, I know I spelled it right. I don't know why somebody came back and misspelled it. But Melphibosheth, name means dispeller of shame. <laughs> Exterminating the idol. Literally, we can capture from his name that he is potentially the breaker of generational curses. A transitioning place. Does anybody want to own that in your own reality? Anybody want to own that in your own reality? No, no, no. I, I, I need you to own this in your reality that it stops with you. I mean, here it is. Here it is. Dispeller of shame. Good God Almighty. Oh, glory be to God. Their first king, Saul, has caused them to lose against their arch nemesis, the Philistines. <laughs> the whole name of his house now carries a stain. Come on, the shame of it. Are we here? Even after David brings them back to prominence by going and defeating the Philistines, praise God. Here it is, Saul's name in the name of his house has shame on it. And their only hope is hiding in Lodabar, cripple. Are we there? Can y'all go with me? Can you take yourself down through your generations and see the conditions that have been so prevalent? generation after generation you don't even know why you like alcohol you don't even know why you struggle with addiction you don't even know why sexual perversion runs so rampant in your bloodline come on somebody some generational curses some generational shame and all God needs is somebody to claim the prophecy that's already been spoken in their name all God needs is somebody to say yes and agree with the truth that he's already established in the sense of a covenant to redeem them. He don't just want to redeem you. He want to redeem everything connected to you. <laughs> it's interesting. We got a few D's here that we're going to work with. Number one, destruction. His family was destroyed, which left no potential for a dynasty. His life was destroyed and body broken. He was dropped by someone that was trying to save him. Can I bring religion into the picture now? 
Because the biggest damage for some of us has been the religious consciousness that people put in, put, a, put in us meaning well. Come on. Your, your oppressive consciousness comes from a religious indoctrination that made you feel less than. Y'all not working with me, but I'm gone. Come on. A neediness, a dependency, enabling mindsets where you can't see yourself like God intended for you to see yourself. Are we almost there? Yeah, dropped, but they was trying to save him. Somebody dropped him that loved him. Y'all not working with me. This is how I know that God does not intend for us to continue to try to function emotional, philosophical love of man. This somebody that was trying to save him. She loved him dearly. But because it's in human nature, it has a tendency to make mistakes. He's trying to raise his graduators to a love that is his supernatural love. There is no mistakes in it. Slow, deep breaths. Are you here? Dropped by somebody trying to save him. Damaged. It's permanent, but not fatal. <laughs> it's permanent, but not fatal. Here, here is the thing. Here's the thing. We lack focus because we'd rather focus on the damage than the destiny. It didn't kill you. I get overwhelmed sometimes that I know myself I should have died. I was on self-destruct in such a way there's no way I should have survived. I know others who might have been actually better than me who did, but I survived. Yeah, I wish I had at least two more honest folks in the room. Glory be to God. Some of the dumbness that I did. I remember coming home from the party and don't know how I got in my driveway. I can't be the only one. Woke up the next morning, car still running, the car light on. I can't even get out the car, the door open, I'm hanging halfway out. Come on, I don't even know how I got there. I can't be the only one. Damaged. Amen. But alive. I wish y'all would come on. Damaged, damaged, damaged. Damaged emotionally, damaged psychologically, damaged physically. Don't move like I used to move because of some of my own consequences. But I'm still alive. That means there is still purpose that should manifest out of my life. There's time for me to be redeemed. Are we here? He's dropped, damaged, and also detained. Sometimes the biggest grief that we have is the place we in. And I know, come on, hear me, hear me loud and clear. There are such things as pulled down spots. Oh, come on, y'all ain't going, but I'm going there. There are spots, places that we live in that has a tendency to hold you, continue to pull you down. And as long as you don't understand your own authority to rise up, it will continue to do so. There are relationships that hold you, continue to pull you down. Come on, Lodabar represents the reality that I'm in a place damaged, hurting, and oppressed. 
This is important. This is important because he's still a prince. He don't have the garments anymore. Come on, somebody. Are y'all hearing me? He's not eating the same food that he ate in the palace, but he's still a prince. You don't have anybody else that can own the fact that you're royalty. See, it sounds scary to even think, doesn't it? But it's the truth. Then we have deliverance. There's a question that comes from the king. Is there anybody left in Saul's house that we can show kindness to? Cahest. That we can fulfill a covenant promise, promise to? <sighs> See, we use this word covenant now a lot, but we, we can't use it and forget the power of it. Amen, somebody. As a king, you can't break a covenant. Let me show you how powerful this moment really is. This boy is five. David ain't never met him. He's best friends with his father before he's even born. He's never laid eyes on him. He's never had any contact. As a matter of fact, until a few minutes after he asked the question, he didn't even know he existed. Are you hearing me? But the covenant is still established in such a way that he has to seek him out. Are we there? Hear me, hear me, hear me loud and clear. There is a covenant promise that has been made, right, with, with, by the relationship with Jonathan and David. David is now king. He, when he made the promise, he didn't even know he would be in a position to fulfill it. But well, how powerful is the sovereignty of God to position him to keep his covenant? I wish somebody get it. Let me, let me keep working real quick because y'all ain't there yet. Let me give you a little, few more historical facts. He's five years old when he loses his legs and his daddy, and he's shipped off to Lodabar in hiding. Amen, somebody. David is actually in the wilderness running from his daddy, uh, 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 granddaddy Saul. Amen, somebody. When he's born. Are you with me? Here's powerful. This is going to make it even, even, even more interesting. He's 12 years old when David is announced as king over all of Israel. Y'all starting to see this timetable? By the time David sends for him, he's marriage age. So look at the span of time that has elapsed between it. Because here's the interesting thing. David is fighting all during the time in between. Peace is now at hand when he starts searching for him. It might not have been a good time for him to come before. I know you feel hopeless. I know you feel like it's never going to break through, but it's happening. You just don't see it yet. It's taking place. You're just not to manifestation yet. You hear me? Then this is so powerful because the first thing that had to be was a revival. David sent messengers to go get him. Amen. It's, it's potentially, it's potentially uh, uh, a good 30-something miles Amen, somebody, that, uh, that he's actually away. So he's not hiding too far away. They just didn't know he was there. When they find out he's there, David sent messengers. This is a, a picture of the preacher going forth to give the word. The preacher don't save the soul. He's bringing the word to redeem the soul. 
the messenger doesn't have the authority, amen, other than the message itself. Oh, we almost there. He goes into Lodabar, tells the uh, Amir and his family, hey, David is sending for him. Can you imagine this moment? Like we've been hiding this guy for a long time. 20-something years, right? We've been hiding him for a long time. Now, here's the king's guards at the table. The condition been covering you, been blinding you, been deceiving you, praise God. It's called senses of delusion. Amen, somebody. But there's going to be a time that the word creeps in. It shakes you at first, but you start responding to it because it's the king that sent it. Listen to me, saints. God, it had to be a revival. David sent messages, and the message itself revived the potential for Mephibosheth, who's still a prince. We're there. This becomes so powerful because you have, you, have, you have the reality there's a revival, then there's the retrieval. They actually bring him back. See, this is why we have a problem with an evangelistic message that doesn't connect people to discipleship. You can have the message, and the message can rain home. But now we program people to a confession. Now they think they have the reconciliation to their rightful position just by saying a speech. There has to be the retrieval. Amen. You have to come back to your place. The whole goal of redemption is to not to leave you where you were at. It's to reposition you to where you're supposed to be. Y'all missing it. People ask dumb questions like, do you believe once saved, always saved? Absolutely. The question ain't whether you can lose your salvation. The question is whether you really ever had it. Here is the truth. When you have a mindset of evangelism, praise God, then you'll go out, get someone to share a speech so you can add a number to a list of your achievement accomplishments. But that's not the design of the messenger. The word is supposed to position you to be retrieved. Brought back to your place, prince. This may be too much for a Sunday morning, but it's the truth. Are you hearing me? Then he has to be repositioned. There's a revival, then there's the retrieval, then there's, he has to be repositioned. Amen. He's brought back to the king table. The king declared this thing four times to make sure that nobody misunderstand. <laughs> Y'all like, he said it four times so that Mephibosheth would get it, that his servant Zeba would get it, that the court, the palace, all the guards, everybody that work in there would know who he is. <laughs> Do y'all hear me? He's declaring to the atmosphere your identity. You're the only one that won't believe it. Declaring to the heavens and the earth who you are. And you won't walk in it. Repositioning at the king's table. Now this is awesome. There's no higher seat, no higher place for any servant to be than at the king's table. But remember, he's a prince. He was born to be there. David is not giving him a reward, an award, or a, a treat. He's repositioning him. I wish y'all would come on here. I don't know why y'all acting like that. He's repositioning him in his truth. The place he was destined to be in. Here, here. That ought to be encouraging, saints of God. Say, folks. That ought to be encouraging. 
He's not trying to bring you to a new reality. He's trying to renew your reality. He's trying to bring you to your greater truth. That means it's achievable. You're not standing in some lofty uh, aspiration that's untouchable, unreachable. No, it's achievable. It's redemption. Are we there? I'm only hollering because I'm excited. Are we here? This is important, y'all. All this religious foolishness that we bought into, praise God, that makes salvation feel impossible. Holiness is not supposed to be burdensome. Ah! Holiness is not supposed to be burdensome. Religion made you believe that. It's your truth. You were made to live holy. Oh, good God. Righteousness is not supposed to feel impossible. If you're walking in real faith. Oh, glory to God. Let me settle down. <laughs> He's being repositioned to the place he was born to be. He's being repositioned to the place that he may have lost all memory of. <laughs> he may have lost all memory of being a prince, but it never changed it as his truth. That's our problem. That's why we need the word. That's why we need sanctification. That's why we need intimacy and worship with God. That's why we need prayer. Praise God. So that it can be the reminders to wake up our truth. Because we forgot it. I was born into sin, shaped into iniquity. I forgot that I was spirit before I was flesh. Oh, come on, somebody. I forgot that I wasn't made for violence. I forgot that I wasn't made for unforgiveness and bitterness. I forgot that I wasn't made for anger. I forgot that I was made for dominion and authority. I forgot. And all he's trying to do is give you those nice little subtle reminders. It's important because when Mephibosheth is brought back, he addresses himself as a, calls himself a dog. He forgot. You're not a dog. You're a prince. <laughs> That's hard stuff for us to swallow, isn't it? It's a lot less responsibility to see myself as a dog. Mm. Glory to God. He has to reposition him. He has to reposition him. And then, and then here it is. It's seated at the king's table. This is so, such a powerful place. Such a powerful place. Because here it is. There's an apron that surrounds the table. As long as he's seated at the table, his crippled condition is covered. He's back in authority but covered. Facial recognition. The king's announcement of his identity is established as long as he's... I wish y'all talked to me. No matter what he's been through, come on somebody, no matter what, whatever trials or tribulations he faced before he got back into position, it no longer matters as long as he's seated in his right place. No matter the failures, no matter the poor choices, this is what redemption really looked like. Y'all do remember the prodigal, the one that we named the prodigal. Amen, somebody. 
you do remember that he didn't get a chance to take a bath before he was covered. The daddy said, go get the best robe in the house, which is my robe. Nobody's going to question what's under the robe as long as they see it's my robe. He may still be a little smelly. He may still have a little dirt on him. He may even still have some swine on his breath. Y'all ain't talking to me. Come on, somebody. But as long as he got on my robe, ain't nobody in the house going to question the fact that he does or does not belong. Are y'all here? This is redemption. The fact that you keep coming out the robe is your faith problem. The fact that you keep getting up from the table is a faith problem. It's not that God hasn't established truth for you to walk in. You don't want to believe it. Keep wanting to be a dog. Are we working just yet? We're talking about a faith problem, right? Then here's the beautiful part then. Is that was the destruction, then there was the deliverance, and now there's the destiny. A greater truth being revealed while his damaged areas are being covered. <laughs> Manifestation. Amen, somebody. Listen, all of his daddy's stuff has been restored to him. He didn't even have the ability to work it. All the lands. Come on, somebody. All of the servants, the houses, all these things. And not only was it restored to him. Amen. But now also the people to work it has all also been restored to him. This is why it tells you how many sons and servants Zeba has. He got a full staff. I, I want y'all to walk into this because y'all still think you got to work your way to get it. Still think you got to earn your way to get it. Think it's going to be a toy. No, he needs you to believe him. He has the necessary resources if you can walk in your agreement. As long as you're trying to make it happen, you're still focused and having faith in flesh. If you will walk in agreement by believing who you are, are y'all here? This is the manifestation. All of these resources become the evidence of his identity. Jesus. The servants, the lands, all of these things, the people that's going to work the land. Hey, hey Amen. Listen, and here's the thing that's going to show enough blow your mind. They work in the land for him. He don't need none of it. He eats at the king's table. Jesus. Can y'all work with me just for a few more minutes and I'm going to let y'all go. As a matter of fact, you're going to get to the buffet early today. <laughs> this is how powerful this really is. All of this is written so you can understand that he didn't redeem you for you to toil. He redeemed you for you to walk in your truth. That don't mean you won't work, but your motive for working shifts. Are we there? I bet if we took a poll, we'd find a lot of frustrated people in the room. Saints of God. Save folks. Are we here? This is so rich. This is so rich. There's restoration. And then there's the generational implications. Amen. Now, 
there are varying opinions as to when his son Micah was born. Amen. Some people believe that Micah was born while he was in Lodabar. Amen, somebody. Now, I have a problem with that theory because if you cripple and can't work, how do you get a wife? Y'all not there yet, but I'm working. Amen. From, from day one, Adam even had a job before he had a wife. These people didn't play no games about you getting married just because of your feelings. This was not that culture. Come on, somebody. They arranged marriages. And a father wasn't about to give you his daughter if you weren't able to provide for her. Are y'all with me? As a matter of fact, there was a clause almost almost the same as our um, our ideas of, of um, when somebody get married and they have a contract on the front end. Pre, almost like a prenuptial agreement where the husband literally had to give a certain amount in reserve and it would be held in a reserve just in case he put her away wrongly. It would go to her. So it doesn't make any sense to me, praise God, that in this culture he would be married and crippled. Amen, somebody. But it does make sense that once he's a prince and provision is no longer a problem, are y'all here? Amen, somebody. <laughs> that he now has a wife and a son. Now, that's the other half of the equation. There are those that share my opinion. Amen, somebody. Which to me makes more sense. As well, now, we know that his name literally means to put away the shame. Amen. Now, this is powerful. This is powerful. Even though he's bound in it. His daddy names him prophetically. <laughs> Amen. Are y'all hearing me? Then, while he's seated at the king's table, redeemed in his rightful position, he bears a son named Micah. Guess what his name is? Like the king's kids. I mean, can y'all go with me for just a few minutes? Micah's name literally means promise. Once we put away the shame, then for the next generation, we can manifest the promise. Once we put away the idolatry and the reproach for the next generation, we can position them in their rightful place. Do we see how serious this becomes? You do know that it's not just about you. That you got to be in a mindset, a heart set to break those generational curses. So that thing don't continue, that strong man don't continue to bind your house. Your blood, are y'all here? I mean, really, no, no sane person that loves their kids would want them to go through the same madness we went through. I'm glad they already better than I was. Don't tell them I said that. I pick on them for being bad, but they were nowhere close to me. I'm grateful for that. Y'all ain't going to be the honest with y'allself. Y'all just want to be mad at them for nothing when they're acting just like you. <laughs> it's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. No, but but I, I'm walking in my redemption, praise God, so I can position something different generationally. That they start on a new foundation. They don't have to climb up out the deficits. They don't have to spend time in Lodabar and determine a new, new reality for themselves and forget their truth. 
they can come up in a development that always position them in the mindset of their truth. You were born to be the head and not the tail. <sighs> come on. You were born to walk in authority. Are we almost there? Can we say yes to it? I've been damaged, but I'm still destined. <laughs> there was an intent to destroy me, but guess what? My destiny's still available. I haven't lost focus on the fact that I'm destined. As a matter of fact, I'm going to have the courage to believe it. Say yes if you can have the courage to believe you're destined. I mean, for real. I ain't talking about the hype and being pumped up in here. I'm talking about owning that thing in your heart. That my yesterday is not the culmination of my story. Thank you for joining us today for Anointed Clay. We truly pray that your spirit was increased by the message. Visit one of our weekly services soon. We have discipleship development on Thursday at noon and 7 p.m. Our Sunday morning worship service is at 8.45 a.m. You can write us at 175 Willis Road, Cartersville, Georgia, 30120. Call us at 770-256-6355. Email us at unityworship at yahoo.com. Visit us on the web and make all contributions at www.unityworshipchurch.org.